how to prioritize where you save to maximize what you save. Why you might want to retire in the great state of Georgia, how waiting just one more day before you retire could save you a lot of money, and how to totally screw up your retirement. This is Your Money, Your Wealth. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, two-thirds of Americans aren't saving for the most expensive purchase of their lives. And today, Joe and Big Al have solutions. Big Al lists the eight IRA-related mistakes young professionals and everyone else should avoid. And Joe breaks out tax breaks state by state to help you decide where to retire. The fellas also answer email questions on advisor credentials, what to do with your 401k when you head off to grad school, the 60-day rollover rule, and which is safer, TB or fixed indexed annuities. Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA, to clear it all up for us. There's such a disconnect when it comes to retirement, retirement planning, and everything else. I think everyone knows that they need to save. Yes, that's but true. But if you look at life's most expensive purchases, right? Merrill Lynch came out with the study. Oh, I, I saw that article. Yeah, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our crack research team is yeah. hot. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you read it? I, I did. It was very short. Uh, yeah, that's why I grabbed it. <laughs> I mean, it was under 100 words. Yeah, so I, can, I memorized it. could read the whole thing in about 30 seconds. <laughs> that shows you. All right. Um, it, it was one of those where you had like, you know, usually you have slides and they have 10 or 12 slides. This had two. Yeah, I don't even look at the slides. <laughs> but the study shows average cost of retirement is two and a half times that of an average house. Yeah. So what, seven hundred thousand? I think seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars. The average cost of retirement is more than seven hundred thousand, or about two and a half times that of an average house, and nine times more than the average cost of college education. Got it. So, so in other words, it's your most expensive purchase is retirement. So, if if we want to compare, the average cost of a home is two hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars. Okay. All right. The cost of college education. Take a guess. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. Eighty-three thousand dollars. Say hundred thousand. That's what you paid per quarter. That's for one yeah, of well, your. That was not my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Out of state, Colorado, <laughs> University of Colorado. No, it's uh, more net. Okay, and then the cost of raising a child to age eighteen, two hundred forty-five thousand. Oh wow! So retirement. Uh... Yeah, that's the most expensive purchase. All right. So despite retirement's hefty price tag. The report goes on. Right. Uh, the report finds that 81% of Americans don't know how much they need to fund their retirement. In addition, a growing number of younger generations think they'll need to personally fund a larger portion of their retirement to therefore expect uh, to rely less on employers and the government. Okay. So, I, But that's always been the case, and we've talked about that um, in the past of, I, I think, every generation felt that they weren't necessarily going to get a huge subsidy from the right. government and or whatever. It, it does continue, but there is always that concern. All right, so $700,000 price tag, folks. That's what you have to shoot for. That's on average. That's on average. Our, our listeners is probably a little bit more. It I'm could thinking. be, Yeah. right? It depends on, of course, and we can go through the arithmetic of how much money that you want to spend and what other fixed income sources that you have, how old you are. I mean, if you want to spend 100000 a year and you live 25 years, that's $2.5 million, right? It's a little bit more than seven hundred grand. Yeah, <laughs> good math, now, right off the cuff there. Just Coltine. like that, huh? I don't need one of those fancy calculators. No, I you can don't. Do that in my head. But still, all right. So then I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like seven hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. And I would say most of our listeners are saying, "Wow, that that is a lot." And then right. so there's either two two sides of the coin. Half, well, I wouldn't say half, but some of our listeners are saying, "Hey, you know what? That's pretty good because I think I have that." But I think the the other half, or maybe the majority, are saying, "Man, there's no way I'm going to get to seven hundred thousand." Yeah, I would think a lot of people would say that. And then I looked at this. 
two-thirds of Americans aren't putting any money into their 401k plans. Two-thirds. Two-thirds, Colby. That's Kobe. crazy. So you need $700,000 to have a retirement, and two-thirds of Americans aren't putting money in their 401ks. And usually when you have a 401k, you put some money in, and so does your employer. There's a match. So why wouldn't you do that? So here's what this latest uh, study did. Because, I mean, we talk about studies and censuses and things like that. Yeah. But what they did is they took a look at the actual tax returns, right? And mm-hmm. so instead of surveying an individual, yeah. right? Because, all right, you get a phone call or something like that. Hey, are you saving in your 401k plan? What oh, do you think? Sh- oh, of sure. course I am. I did. I, they don't ask the second question, when? Well, yeah, about 20 years ago I did. Right. Well, are you saving for retirement? Yes, absolutely I am. Yeah. Right? I got a slush fund. It's got 100 bucks. Yes. Out. It's like, <laughs> yes, you, of course you're going to answer that way. So they're like, you know what? I think people might be lying to us. Yeah. Well, I learned that as a tax accountant. I mean, uh, people always say they made money on their investments, and then they brought me their tax returns. They almost always lost money. Clopin, I'm pretty good at picking stocks. <laughs> well, I'm looking at your tax return. Your Schedule D says the opposite there, buddy. <laughs> But then they, if they're sophisticated, they say, well, yeah, but I did tax last harvesting. And I would say, okay, all right, I, you got me there. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, so they analyzed W-2 records from 2012 and identified 6.2 million unique employers. So there's 6.2 million unique employers. Really? Okay. And 155 million individual workers who held 219 million distinct jobs. Okay. So they took a look at all of that, and they said, you know what? Out of all of that, only 14% of employers actually offer a 401k plan. 14? 14%. Yeah, well, you know, partly because most of those are super small. They're one- or two-person companies. Bigger companies are the likeliest to hold a 401k plan. See, you probably read this one, too. No, I didn't. I don't got nothing on you. I just got that knowledge in the nugget. (laughs) But then they said this, is that, all right, well, then they estimate about 79% of Americans work at those places, right, at the larger employers. Okay. So let's just call it 80% work at an employer that has a 401k plan. Okay, nice. So the other 20% work at a small company. Maybe I'm a sole proprietor. Maybe it's a one- or two-man shop, right, that, that you're referring to. Sure, sure. The old uh, Clopine financial days. Yes. Well, you had, what, two or three employees? (laughs) Myself and uh, I don't know who else. All right. So 80% of the people that have a 401k plan, how many people then are, um, it it says here that just 41% of workers at those employers are making any contributions to the plan. So you're saying about 60% are not putting any money in at all. Correct. Wow. That is shocking. So there's so how do we connect the dots here? How do we create solutions? Because we got emails over the past couple of weeks. It's like you guys bring up problems and never have an yeah. answer. It's like, well, if you're looking for solutions, you're listening to the wrong yeah, show. Yeah, there's a there's probably a way better show than ours. Yes. We just talk about problems all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Yeah, what is the solution? Well, it's easy. It's save a little bit of money. Okay. It's just save a couple of bucks. Put some money in your 401k. $700,000. I mean, if, if everyone would just shoot for that, I mean, not everyone, but most people that are listening to the show, right? Right. Because there's a lot of you that are making several hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know you don't have several hundred thousand dollars saved. Yeah. But I, I would I was thinking about that, Joe, that, that little snippet article that you just quoted. <laughs> and I was thinking 700000 the cost of retirement, but... 
it's not all funded from you. I mean, let's say you get thirty thousand in social security each year. So in twenty years, that's six hundred thousand of the seven hundred thousand, just right there. Right. So it's not like you have to have seven hundred thousand in the bank. Exactly. And here's another thing that's also skewed a little bit by uh, the industry itself is saying the average cost of health care for you know a sixty five year old couple is going to cost you two hundred fifty thousand. That's bucks. right. Exactly. So then they're thinking, man, do I need two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Additional yeah. today, today, yeah. right now, just to cover those healthcare costs, right? No, not necessarily, but you have to look at there is a true cost of retirement, right? 700,000 is pretty low, to be honest with you. Yeah, for our listeners, I would agree. Southern Cal- people that live in Southern California, we have a more expensive lifestyle, so you got to plan on more than that, probably. Well, no, just like with your math, if you have, I mean, that's just the actual expense, right? right. So if you have, let's say you're married, you have 1,500 bucks or $15,000 of Social Security coming in, your spouse has 15, right? So right. that's 30,000. Yeah. 30,000 times what? Would you use twenty? I used twenty because right? I, I it was easy. Six hundred thousand. Yeah, so. I, I just do easy <laughs> Three times math in my head. Is Three six, times six. Six. Add, add a couple add, zeros. Yes. All right. See how good I am. Carry the one. <laughs> no caring. <laughs> so so then at that point you need a hundred grand. Then you're good. Yeah. But what's the average balance of retirement account? Well, we it's know it's well below hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. right. So I guess the point of the solution here is just to take a look. And all right. So let's say a few things. Two things is that if you work for a small employer or maybe you're a sole proprietor, you still have options. You have a 401k plan that's available to you. It's called a solo 401k. Right. You can set up your own individual 401k, which is phenomenal. You can put twenty four thousand dollars pre tax. Um, if you're over 50, 18,000. If you're under 50, or you could put in 5,000 or 2,000, it doesn't matter. It's a defined contribution plan. You could put in some years a lot, some years a little. It doesn't matter. So everyone has the ability right, to, to basically set up their own retirement account. If you don't want to go to a solo 401k plan, you can set up a SEP plan. You could just do a standard IRA. Depends on how much money that you're making, how much money that you want to save. But there are options. But the problem is it's not as easy as working for an employer that has that 401 401k plan where I could go to HR, get the paperwork and say, all right, yes, I want to put 4% of my salary, you know, deferred into the retirement account out of sight, out of mind, forget about it. Where if you're don't have the luxury of those plans, right, then you actually have to do a little bit more work, right? You, you have to establish your own plan, either through a mutual fund company, such as like T. Rowe Price or Vanguard or whatever funds you like. Or you could go to a brokerage firm like a Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley, or you could go to a discount brokerage firm such as a Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, something like that. But it's not as difficult as it might seem. It's just another step in the process. $700,000. Okay, so retirement is expensive. Between declining income, increased longevity, and high costs, retirees run the risk of outliving their assets. Learn how to mitigate these risks. Download the white paper on America's retirement crisis at purefinancial.com. Click on the Learning Center and go to white papers for your free download. That's purefinancial.com. We're talking about... How much money? Let's just say if you save, what, $5,500 into a standard IRA. Yes. So everyone is eligible to do an IRA contribution unless you're over 70 and a half. Correct. Because a lot of people don't have retirement plans at work. You have to have earned income. So you have to have a job or you have to be self-employed, a profitable self-employment. But let's just say you max out an IRA each year starting at age 25. You go to age 65, 40 years. You put $5,500 into an IRA. Now, of course, you can do 6,500 when you're over 50 
but I, I'm just keeping it $5,500 per year, 40 years, 7% rate of return. Guess how much you would have at retirement at age 65? You would have $1.1 million, right? $5,500 per year, right? And so a lot of people say, there's no way I can save for retirement. $5,500 is something that you can do and should do. And if you do this repeatedly year after year with compound earnings and growth, it's amazing what can happen. Yeah, but then you have to start saving at age 25, Al. Why not? Why, why shouldn't be people be saving at age I, 25? I agree with you, right. but there's a lack of information and education when it comes to money with um, people in their 20s. Because it's True. like, okay, well, here, I'm just trying to pay off student loan debt. I'm trying to you know, get out of mom and dad's house. I want to buy a new car. Maybe I like to go to the bar and have a couple beers. Okay, right? let's do it this way. You start at age 35. Okay, so you only have 30 years to save. All right. Right? So you've had 10 years to figure this stuff out. Okay. Right? That, that's, got, a, that's a good that's, that's more realistic? That's, I think so. And it's still a good number. It's $519,000. So if you, all right, so here's the, here's the real crux of this math. If 10 years is $500,000. Yes. Right? That's right. And your contributions of $5,000 over that 10 years is not 500 grand. Right. It's a lot lower, right? Right? 50 yeah. grand turns to 500000 so if you wait, it's the cost of waiting. Right. So if if you say, you know what, you know what, this five thousand bucks or a few hundred dollars a month, I'd much rather blow at the bar. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's costing you five hundred grand. Yeah, five hundred grand, six hundred grand, even. So to say that again, so if you start maxing out your IRA at age twenty-five, that's fifty-five hundred dollars per year, and you save that amount for forty years until you retire at age sixty-five. Uh, at 7% rate of return, you have $1.1 million. On the other hand, let's just say you start 10 years later. You start at age 35 and do it for 30 years. Now you have about a little over 500000 So you're short about $600,000, uh, right? You have less than half. In other words, those first 10 years make a big difference. And talk about news you can use. The earlier you start, the better. Now, we know some of our listeners, they're behind the eight ball. And the truth is... Then get started right now, because you can improve your situation no matter what it is, at what age, just by getting started right, right now. I, and I think we're just looking at this in a silo, too. It's like, all right, well, if you say $5,500, you're in 7% rate of return. Of course, all of this is hypothetical. Sure, of course. Um, and then as the years go on, you have X amount of dollars. But guess what? At age 65, there's other factors that is going to affect your overall retirement. You will receive some fixed income, such as Social Security. So as, as individuals age, right, It's now you have a little bit more levers to kind of maneuver here, right, to, to have a successful retirement. And we've ran these numbers before on the show, but let's say if someone is 55 years old or 60 that has zero saved, and they want to retire at 70, so they got to 10-year game plan. Well, usually at age 60, they might be in their peak earning years where they might be able to save a little bit more than $5,000. If you're one of the 80% of individuals that work for a larger employer that has a 401k plan, they have a match potentially as well. So maybe you put in the $5,000, they might match $2,500. So now you got $7,500. Or maybe you could get into $10,000 where they might match 
you know, four or five thousand dollars. And then over that 10 year time period, now you're working till age 70 versus maybe 65. But you know what? We're living a lot longer. We're a lot more active and healthy than ever before. And then now you're at age 70, your Social Security has increased in right. value as well. Yeah. Right. So then it's just looking and then maybe you decrease your overall living expenses a little bit. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can potentially do, but it always starts with planning. What are you trying to accomplish? What's really important to you in your life? And then putting things through the asset test. But I think that the delayed gratification is always challenging. Well, so here's here's that example that you just went over. So you're at 60, you got nothing, right? And you want to get serious about saving. You can max out your 401k, $24,000. And I just threw in a $6,000 match. So just, just as an example. Right. So in other words, $30,000 going into your 401k for 10 years at 7%, you end up with $414,000, which is so far ahead of the average. It's unbelievable. Right. So that's... That could, at age 70, could create $20,000 of income, and right. maybe your Social Security, since you delayed it to age 70, might be, I don't know, 25, 30,000 bucks. Yeah, even, even, even 40, but right. on okay. the low end. On the low end. Let's, you know, let's call it 30 plus the 20 that you have from your, your investments. So now you got $50,000, right? Plus you've got the 400,000 savings that you can draw upon in case of emergency, right? So it's your, you're actually in a, in a decent spot. Right, right. And, um, So it's just, again, looking at what's important, map this out, and then put things through the asset test. It's like, okay, well, here, should I be saving or should I be spending? Well, I think we all know that, and I know a lot of individuals, they just say, God, I just can't find an extra dollar anywhere. Right. All right, well... You're going to have to eventually, so might as well start now. Right. You're going to have to at some point. (laughs) So better look at it now. Hey, um, real quickly, so let's say if you're a little bit, if you live in Southern California where Al and I um, live, and you know what, maybe you don't have a lot of money. I'm going to go through real quickly. Maybe you move to Alabama. Okay. <laughs> have you ever been to Alabama, Al? I have not. It's an unlimited exclusion uh, for pension income from defined benefit retirement plans. So if you have a defined benefit plan, you know, hey, you got a pension, move to Alabama. Well, Tax free to you. Well, so does Hawaii. I'd rather pick Hawaii. Um, Arkansas. How about Arkansas? Are you going alphabetical. You can get up to $6,000 in retirement plan benefits, including IRAs if you're over 59 and a half. You can go to Delaware. They give you about 12500 of dividends, capital gains, interest, rental income, and distributions from qualified retirement plans. Once you're 60, Got it. you get about twelve five tax free. Georgia, 65000 65. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. If you're uh, for income, if you're 65 years of age or older, up to uh, 35000 if you're 62 to 64. Uh, Hawaii. There you go, Al. Unlimited from defined benefit pension plans. That's what you did. You looked. That's the only thing you looked in this article. No, actually, I already knew that because we have a client that did that. But I did look at that just to verify. <laughs> and then uh, how about Kentucky? You can um, up to 41 thousand one hundred and ten dollars coming out of annuity contracts profit sharing plans iras so depending on the state that you live in or maybe where you potentially want to live take a look at the tax law when it comes to that because it's important if i can pay less tax on those distributions coming out and this is just on the state side of course there's you'll still have to pay federal federal taxes or you can move to a state that doesn't have state tax yeah like nevada washington state florida uh, florida let's see texas south dakota yeah, South Dakota, Wyoming, to name a few. Those are Alaska. Those are taxes without individual income taxes, and so that's even better than some of these exclusions. California, 
we all love California, but there is a sunshine tax, as they say. Yeah, I mean, it can get up to about 13% here. It can, 13.3. And uh, there's some whispering saying, hey, they might get rid of the state tax deduction if they lower individual income tax rates. Yeah, they might. It's being talked about. In fact, that's what's in the Republican plan, is to eliminate state tax deduction. Yeah, that'd be great for Californians. Yeah, so we get get bumped in a higher bracket because of that. Right, so you've got to be careful, too, with some of these proposals that are coming out. Right. Depending on, all right, well, here, that's great. We get lower tax rates. Right. But then, wait what's a minute. What's happening on the back end? Well, yeah, what's happening <laughs> on the back end? Right, Because taxes is revenue for the federal government, and we all know that there's a little bit of deficit there. So we can go supply side and say, hey, we're going to have that much more profitability yeah. because there's more cash on hand that we can reinvest, which is great. But there's still entitlements. There's still Social Security, Medicare. We have roads and you know everything else in between that needs to be uh, paid for. So that's why, again, planning is so so important. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture in handy bullet point format. This week, eight IRA-related mistakes young professionals and everyone else should avoid. This is from Forbes magazine. This is a recent article, Joe. We started the show talking to young professionals. I guess sort of going to continue that a little bit. But uh, anyway, this was written by Maya Kachru Levine. <laughs> okay, thank you for that <laughs> disclaimer. Yes. Uh, and she starts the article by saying, opening and contributing to an IRA requires a lot of nuanced decision-making. And it isn't just about making choices. It's about understanding why one option works better for your financial plan. She said that when she was opening an IRA, I was lucky enough to have both family members and an accountant point me in the right direction. Oh, come on. You go online. Here's what you do. Fidelity.com. <laughs> Open up an account. Yeah, but Vanguard.com. Whatever. But, but who does that at age 22? So she had some Everyone help. at 22? If you're, like, if you're 80, then I can see why you might have some issues because you probably don't have a computer. <laughs> anyway, so you want to know what the mistakes are? Number one is not understanding the distinction between a traditional and a Roth IRA. What's the distinction, Jim? A Roth IRA is after tax. You can put the money in. It grows 100% tax-free. There's a couple of different caveats with a Roth uh, in regards to when you can take the money out. Uh, It's a little bit more flexible than a standard IRA in the sense it's an after-tax contribution. What all that means is that you take the money after you get your paycheck. Well, and and that's the same as an IRA, but you get the deduction, so you can deduct it on your pay or on your tax return in April, and you might get a little bit of money back. Right. So it's after-tax. Money goes in, grows tax. Free. A couple of things with Roth, so it has FIFO tax treatment. What that it, what that stands for is first in, first out. So any dollar that you put into the Roth at any age, you always have access to it. So, so you, you so you contribute, you can withdraw it without penalty. You got it. The so contribution. The, part. Only the contribution. So if you're 40 years old, you put five thousand dollars in. 42, you need the money. You can always pull the five thousand dollars back out. No taxes, no penalties, no harm, no fault. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that. Now that five thousand dollars grew to seven. You can't touch the 2000 of growth until you're 59 and a half. Correct. Then the other five-year clock when it comes to Roths is that if you do not have a Roth IRA established, let's say in your older, um, over 59 and a half, so you're 65, and you put the $5,000 in, the same rule applies that you can always take your contributions out at any time. But now you have to wait five years to take that 
earnings out versus the 59 and a half rule. So it's 59 and a half or five years, whichever is longer. Right. And so what I would encourage a lot of you to do, if you haven't established a Roth IRA yet, um, you have until April 15th of this year. This is we're in 2017. Uh, so we still have some time that you can make a 2016 Roth IRA contribution. So maybe you put $100 in it. It doesn't matter. If you've never established one, that would start your five-year clock, January 1st, 2016. Right, all the way back to there. All the way back to, yeah, to Jan 1, 2016. So if if you do not have a Roth IRA, you want to get this five-year clock started, I would consider highly, uh, if you can't afford the full contribution, just put something into it. The IRS doesn't care how much is in it, as long as that account is established and funded with at least you know a dollar. But I don't know where you can find an investment for a dollar. So it's, <laughs> it's probably going to be a couple hundred bucks yeah, or maybe a thousand bucks probably, or something pro- like that. Probably a good way to start. And, and by the way, not everyone qualifies for a Roth IRA contribution. If you're single, your income has to be below 118000 to do a, a full Roth IRA, $5,500. And once it gets to 133000 you can't do a Roth IRA contribution anymore. If you're married, those those phase-out numbers are between 186000 and 196000 And that's for 2017. If yes. you want to still go for 2016, it's a couple bucks less than that. It's, 184, yeah. 194, that, that's whatever right. no big deal. That, that's right. So, but uh, I guess you could put money into... Uh, a traditional IRA and then convert it too. You can do that if your right. income is too high. Yes. Right. So That's if you're exactly under 70 right. and a half, just try anything or talk to a qualified professional to see how you can get a couple of bucks into the Roth because that starts your five-year clock. Yeah. And number two mistake is choosing a traditional IRA uh, just for the immediate tax deduction. And again, this is directed towards young professionals. And they quote our friend Ed Slot. Ed Slot says, uh, recommends millennials choose the Roth IRA over the traditional one. He says that contributing to a traditional IRA to get the tax deduction is ultimately not worth it. And the reason it's not is because, you think about it, you're in a lower tax bracket probably, so that IRA deduction is not saving you that much in taxes, but yet if you get into a Roth IRA, you could have 30, 40 years of tax-free growth. That's gigantic. I don't gigantic. care if you're in the highest tax bracket, Clopine, because let's do the math here. Okay. Right? Let's say you're in the 40% tax bracket. Okay, I put $5,000 into the Roth IRA, I'm going to pay, you know, instead of getting that tax deduction of 40%, right? 40% of 5,000 is? 40% of 5,000 to 2,000. 2,000 bucks. I wasn't even listening, okay. but I still picked it up. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> look at the big brain on Big Al. Right? So that's a $2,000 tax savings. So that $5,000, it grows to, uh, I don't know, you pick a number, $100,000. Right? Let's say over the next course of 30 years. Sure. Okay. That, right. okay. Can, can that happen? That could happen. All right. Yep. So then you pull out that $100,000. And let's just assume you're in. You're not in the 40% tax bracket. You're going to be in a lower per bracket. Let's say you're in the 25% tax bracket. Right. So I got a couple thousand dollar tax savings for that $5,000 contribution. Over the next 30 years, it grows to 100000 Of course, this is all hypothetical. I'm just get, proving my point. Okay. Then I'm in a lower tax bracket in retirement, 25%, almost half my bracket. Sure. I pull the $100,000 out. What do I pay in tax? Twenty five grand. Right. It's not worth it. Who cares about the two thousand? You're going to save the twenty five thousand in the future. Yeah, I think that's right. And and actually, if we go, if we want to go real world, here's what happens: you save two thousand bucks in tax and you spend it. Yes. So there is no advantage. Right. And then the deduction that you get is not a true deduction, in my opinion. I think it's just a loan because you've got to pay that deduction back when you pull the money out of the account. Right. Right. Yes. So. 
Joe, another one, is not opening an IRA as soon as you qualify. And it, it's difficult for young people to do that because they have so many other things tugging at them, you know, like student loans. Tugging at them? Tugging at them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you like, like that word? <laughs> yeah. Go Stu- ahead. Credit card debt, student loans. They, they, want a, they want a better car, right? They want to move into a better rental or they want to save for down payment for a home or they want to start a family all this stuff yeah but the point is start your iras early we just went through the math you start your maxing your ira at age 25 you got over a million bucks by 65 at a seven percent rate of return if you start at 35 it's about five hundred thousand. so five thousand bucks per year yeah what is that what we did for how many years fifty five hundred dollars for 40 years at seven percent comes out to 1.1 million dollars that's what you got there you right? go. So if you start at thirty-five, you end up with about five hundred twenty thousand. Right. So start. So you put in two hundred thousand dollars, and it grew to one point one million, that's... basically at a seven percent growth rate. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And so now going back to my tax math, two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> right. And if you pay tax, yeah. like you got that tax deduction of twenty-five percent on two hundred thousand. Twenty-five percent of two hundred thousand, Big Al, is what? That is fifty thousand. Fifty grand. So you saved fifty thousand dollars in tax, but now the one point one million dollars that you have to pull out of the account, guess what? It's all tax at ordinary income. Right. So if you use that same twenty five percent on one point one million, that's yeah, you, about what three That's about two hundred and seventy thousand tax right? that you pay. So I don't know. It's pretty simple to me. Two seventy <laughs> versus fifty. Right? That's why Roth IRA, man, I'm telling you and then I know some older listeners now are saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to dismiss that myth later. If you need a free financial assessment, if you missed an episode of the podcast, or if you're just dying to see what Joe and Big L look like, visit purefinancial.com. Access the Learning Center with resources, white papers, and webinars on investing and financial planning. Subscribe to the podcast and see clips from the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, all at purefinancial.com. We're talking about... Um eight IRA-related mistakes young professionals need to avoid, and the next one is not contributing early in the year. Why would they say that? Well, then you get more tax-deferred growth the yeah. sooner that you get the money in there. Sure, and even better, if you put it in a Roth, then you get more tax-free growth. You if, gotta... if the market grows. Yeah, if the market grows, which we learned today is about seven out of 10 years, 70% of the time. 70% of the time, the market goes up. 30% of the time, the market goes down. Yeah, at least that's based on prior history. That's yes. no indication of future, but that's based on yeah, prior history. Yeah, in the future, it's probably going to be 30, 70. <laughs> Just our luck. Who knows, right? But that's uh, that's what we know. That's what we, that's that's Those are the stats from, I think, was it 1927 on that? Or maybe it was 1940. It was 1945 to... Today. Well, I mean, if you even go back to 1927, it's about 68. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Uh, but that, yeah, that makes sense. Get the money in as soon as you can. Another one is not opening an IRA because you have an employer matched 401k. So you're allowed to do an IRA with a 401k? Absolutely. That's very key for individuals that want to save more money. Sure. Right? Is that if I'm fully funding a 401k plan, one of the myths is that you cannot contribute to any other type of retirement plan. Uh, and that's not true. You can absolutely still contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA, uh, depending on your qualifications. So we encourage you. Here's the here's Joe Anderson's list of Savings. Oh, the order savings? Orders of savings. Okay, right? so you got X number of dollars. Where do you save into first? You go to the 401k plan first if you have a match. 
Okay. Okay. So let's say you have a 4% match. You put 4% into your 401k plan up to the 4% match. Okay. So let's say I make 100000 a year just to make it easy math. So I'm going to put $4,000 into the 401k. You got it. Right? And then I, but I can save 10 grand. So I got 6000 more. All right. So now I'm going Roth IRA. Okay. Okay. So then what you do is you go 4% match. I'm going to go to the 4% match, 4000 bucks. Hey, I still have a little bit more money. Now I'm going to go back to the Roth. I'm going to maximize the Roth IRA if I qualify. Okay. So I'm going to do a Roth contribution. And that has nothing to do with my employer. That's my own account that I set up at whatever whatever place, the bank or brokerage house or discount broker or you whatever. you got an individual retirement account. It's your account, your yeah. account number, your name on it. Right. You control it. You invest it how you choose. And you can pick a traditional IRA and maybe or maybe not get a tax deduction. You can do a Roth IRA, no tax deduction, but it grows tax-free. So then if I still want to save a little bit more money, right? then I go back to the 401k. Okay, so in that example, I have 4000 in the 401k, then I put 5500 in the Roth. I still got 500 bucks extra. I put that back in the 401k. You got it. Got right, it. and then now let's say you get a big bonus. All right, well, then you keep going to the 401k plan until you maximize the 401k plan. Yeah. Right? And then if you still have dollars that you want to save, then that's where you start a brokerage account. And then that's where you start funding um, you know, mutual funds or stocks or bonds outside of any type of retirement account. So it'll just it. be in your name only. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. So 401k to the match, Roth IRA, Roth contribution, back to the 401k, max, max that thing out, and then start saving a non-retirement account. You got it. Yeah. Okay. I like it's, that. So here's a, a, a few other things, too, is that let's say that your paycheck or your, your the amount of income will not allow you to save that much. Sure. All right. But maybe you sold an asset, such as a, a property at a profit, or maybe you got an inheritance, or maybe you got a gift, and you have money sitting in cash that's over and above your cash reserves. Okay. So I'm just going to use $50,000. 25000 of that is my cash reserves. The other $25,000, I'm not sure what to do with. Right. right, we get this question all the time. Hey, I just inherited twenty-five grand, fifty grand, hundred grand. What do you suggest I do with this? Okay, go back to the sequence orders again. M- go to the four hundred one k plan. Go to the match. Right, then you go to the Roth IRA. Fund the Roth IRA. Fifty-five hundred dollars. If you're over fifty, go to sixty-five. Then go back to the four hundred one k and max that thing out. And I know some of you are saying, "Hey, I don't have the income to do it." Yes, you do. I don't care if your paycheck comes back and it's only five hundred dollars. You have the cash. You're now you're going to spend down some of that cash because the only way to get money into, let's say, a qualified four hundred one k plan or four hundred three b or or an employer sponsored plan has to come through your paycheck. You can't just write a check from your checking account to deposit it. Right. Right. So here, your paycheck, your net pay is going to be reduced. Reduced, but now you have that cash. It's just like stealing Peter to pay Paul. But you end up with money in the accounts that you want to. You end up with the so, money's so, yes. So you normally, let's just say you have a net payment, net check, a payroll of a thousand bucks, and now it's five hundred bucks. So you're five hundred short because you put another five hundred bucks in the four hundred one k. Well, you just take five hundred dollars out of your cash account to pay for your bills, right? And in effect, now you've taken the cash in a roundabout way and got it into the place you want it to. You got it. Yeah. Right. So it's just thinking outside the box here a little bit, right? Right. right. So then, all right, uh, then you go back, max out the 401k. Hey, I still have some money left over. Then that's when you start opening up the brokerage account, right? And then how should it be invested is going to depend upon, all right, well, how is that 401k invested? How is the um, I, a Roth IRA invested? Yeah, and you then want, you want to have... The whole picture, you, you got yeah, it. Yeah. Then you start yeah. taking a look.
look at you know a, an overall strategy on all the different accounts because there's been multiple times I know you guys will call us and say I just inherited a hundred thousand what do you think where should I put it okay well let's take a step back first right and just use those orders I think more and more people would m- might be a little bit more successful I think you're right Joe here's another one we see this all the time cashing out your 401k from an old job instead of rolling it over to an IRA and here's where this happens is maybe maybe you're in your 30s or 40s and you, you end up with a 401k of 10 grand and you think well that's too much of a hassle to roll that into an IRA. And so you cash it out, you spend it, and then you realize when you've spent it, not only do you have to pay income taxes on it, but you pay penalties because you cashed it out before you're 59 and a half. And in most cases, between federal and state taxes in California, you're going to approach, and penalties, it'll be about 50% tax. So that $10,000 that you didn't roll over cost you about five grand, And that becomes a big surprise at, at April 15th. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. To get your free financial assessment, call 1-877-222-6044 or visit purefinancial.com. That's 1-877-222-6044 or visit purefinancial.com for your free financial assessment. Uh, We're talking about eight IRA-related mistakes uh, that young professionals need to avoid. And it turns out this is true for all of us. Uh, uh, Number seven is uh, being too eager to use your IRA before retirement. Have we ever seen that? Multiple times, All brother. the time. <laughs> All the time. And when you take your IRA out before retirement, of course, you're jeopardizing your retirement lifestyle. That's what it's for. But you're paying a hefty tax because in most cases, you're probably taking it out before 59 and a half. So you're paying a 10% federal penalty. In California, you pay a 2.5% penalty. Plus, you got to pay income taxes at your normal tax rate. Right? And if you add all these together, you end up at about a 50% tax rate in California. How many times have we seen people take that money out to buy real estate? All the time. And then they're shocked when they, th- they owe taxes. They thought, well, I thought I'd get a write-off when I bought real estate. Right. I mean, we see that time and time again. And it's like, well, Joe, I needed a place to live. <laughs> All right, yes, I understand that. But you don't have to pay cash. Take it out of your retirement account. And right. Where are you going to come up with the additional couple hundred thousand dollars in taxes and penalties yeah. for doing it? And sometimes, Joe, we see people that are that are close to retirement. They're in their 60s. They can take it out, and they do for the wrong reasons. Like, they take out a big lump sum to pay off their mortgage. Yep. You know, pull out $300,000 to pay off the mortgage. Well, it makes me feel good and not have debt. I'm I'm, not going to have any debt. I'm debt-free. I'm good. Yeah, but now you're back in debt because you owe the IRS another (laughs) couple hundred grand. I mean, I would much rather have a small interest payment that I can write off to a mortgage company versus having the franchise tax board looming over me. (laughs) For sure. I mean, just that simple example. And we've seen this before. This is why we're talking about it. We've seen people that uh, their final year retirement, they got all kinds of extra severance and whatever they got, right? Vacation pay. So their, their salary is higher than usual. Then they pull out several hundred thousand dollars out of their IRA 401k to pay off the mortgage. So their taxable income is like $500,000. And they get this bill, right? At uh, April 15th, they owe $200,000. And guess what? They don't have it. Right. So then they go back to the IRA, they pull out 200000 And the next year, they owe 100000 They got to pull out that, right? And this just continues, goes on and on. A couple of things, um, and we'll, we'll get to your final point there. Um, it brought something up. Okay. Your retirement date 
right? Um, there's usually two very popular dates that people retire. Right? You, you want to take a guess, Big Al, what those two dates are? Well, 62 is probably one of them. No, I mean, like during the year. Oh, Let's say in, I'm retiring this year. Oh, there's going to the be two dates that I'm probably going to pick. That you, you're going to pick. What would you think those two dates are? Yeah, let's see. I'm going to say one would be, I don't know, like the 1st of January. Okay. Wrong. <laughs> That's the right move. Coming from a CPA, he knows when to retire. No, it's but usually when, the end of the year, December 31st. I'm going to make it through 2017. Yeah, and then be done. And right? be done, right? right? Or I'm going to retire on my birthday. birthday. Yes, we do get that a lot. Right? You're right. So it's either birthday or it's the end of the year. I'm going to, you know, hey, I'll give the company to the end of the year. I'm going to let them know. Or, you know what? I turned 66 yeah. in June. I'm done, right? I'm out of here. So I'm fine with the June date. Right. But be careful with the December date. Right. Right. Just as Al was talking about, it's like, all right, well, let's say if you work for that company for quite some time and you have the sick pay that's acc- uh, accumulated or vacation, vacation pay and things yeah. like that. Right. Well, they pay that out to you in your last paycheck. Yeah. And so if I wait until December 31st and say, all right, I'm going to close out the year, well, that last paycheck is might be your largest paycheck, but then you have that 12 months of earnings. Right. Right. If you take Big Al's advice, wait a day. Retire January 1st, then you don't have the 12 months of right ordinary income so, of wages. Yeah, so you're in a much lower bracket for that year. And, and this, this happens more often than you would think. I mean, how many times have maybe it's happened to you or somebody that you know has been offered early retirement from their company, right? And so early retirement, it's, it's of course, it, it's all over the place, but often you get some sort of salary right to, to, re, to retire, maybe six months or three months of, of salary, and they don't necessarily pay it over time. They'll That's a nice it. way to say, hey, you're get, get, get the hell get, out get of out. here. Get out. We don't want you. But they'll give you a lump sum, mm-hmm. right? And if, you're, if you left in December and then you got a six-month lump sum, it's like you made a year and a half salary in one year. Do you think that throws you in a higher tax bracket? It certainly does. Right. And then you probably might have already fully funded your 401k plan at that point or whatever employer-sponsored plan. Right, because so you can't, say, do it, can't do it anymore. You, you can't shelter it. You, right. But if you wait till January and let's say you get a $30,000 check, well, you could put 24000 of that right in the, you know, your 401k plan, max it's that true. plan out for the following year, and then you just um, have a, a, a lot smaller check that's taxable to you. So just FYI, a couple of little uh, news well, you can use. Little tidbits. We're, we're give, giving solutions today, oh, aren't we? Well, Big yeah, time. I mean, that guy, he just... <laughs> Like, hey, he goes, fellas. He goes, you brought this thing up, and you didn't say what the solution was. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I forgot what he was. It was about, uh, we, we were talking I about. I forgot his email. Pa- I was going to talk about that, yeah, but it, it was, was some app about no, passwords. Yeah, it was, we were talking about how to password protect everything, and, and you know, we, we didn't really have a great answer. <laughs> so he gave us one. Yes. It was an app. I forget the name of the app. Well, you know what? We'll, next week. Yeah. Next I'll, week, I'll, we'll, yes. we'll get on that. We will get the solution okay. next week. Number eight here is uh, not pushing yourself to contribute more early on. And this is key, Joe. I mean, because... Do what now? Push not yourself? pushing yourself to contribute more early on. In other words, maybe you open up an IRA, if you even think of it, and you just put a, a few hundred bucks in it. If you can put more money into it, it's that compound earnings for... 20 years, 30 years, 40 years that makes such a difference in your retirement nesting. So what did we learn today? Save early, <laughs> save often. Yeah, that's like not new news, is it? It's like uh, we, didn't, is... we, didn't, we didn't talk about pay yourself first. That's a good one. 
<laughs> what is that? <laughs> We're really getting complex. Yeah, we are. Yeah, pay yourself first. Yeah. Right. And then pay your pay everything else after that. Okay. Like the IRS does that to us. You know this. That they do because, because our tax bill isn't really due until April. But, but they, guess what? They garnish that stuff out of our. They they take their cut, don't they? Because they know if they did it. Yeah, we wouldn't pay it. <laughs> they do know that. In the same way with a retirement plan, pay it, uh, pay it first, right? If you have a four hundred one k, that's the easiest and best because it's right through your payroll. Absolutely. But if you don't have a four hundred one k, then go down to your discount broker, your bank, whatever, and set up an auto withdrawal from your checking account on the same day as your paycheck, and so that it automatically goes into your IRA or your Roth IRA. You don't even have to think about it, right. and you just do. Hundred bucks a pay paycheck, or two hundred bucks, or whatever it is for you, right? And it's automatic, and so then it's not you, you're not tempted at that point to spend it because it's already out of mind, you know, out of it's sight, out of, out of mind. Out of, yeah, yeah. You don't have it to spend it, right? It's, it's and gone. Then don't look at the statement saying, "Well, I still got this." Well, maybe do I want to buy that? No, forget about it. That's your, you know, that's money for next five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years, depending on your age, of course. Yes, exactly. So, Joe, it. Uh, you know, when we talk about IRAs and we talk about Roth IRAs, and, and uh, boy, we're big believers in Roth IRAs, and certainly to do a Roth contribution is a great way to go. To do a Roth conversion can be even better because then you're taking money out of your IRA, you're out of your 401k, you're converting it to a Roth, and yes, you pay taxes on what you convert, but then all those dollars in the Roth grow forever tax-free, and it's, uh, boy, it's the growth, it's the income, it's the principal is tax-free, and that's tax-free forever. That's that's a pretty long time. If you pass away, your spouse or kids, it's still forever. Did you hear that one? It's a, that's a pretty long time. Infinity. <laughs> so I think um, that's, a, that's a pretty long time. I think Joseph that uh, if people, if more people would contribute to Roth IRAs and convert to Roth IRAs, they would gain more control over their taxes. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. I absolutely <laughs> would. No, it wasn't. It's time to dip into the email bag with financial questions courtesy of Advisor Insights from Investopedia and you, the Your Money, Your Wealth listeners. Joe and Big Al are always willing to answer your money questions. Email info at purefinancial.com or you can send your questions directly to joe.anderson at purefinancial.com or alan.clopine at purefinancial.com. We didn't get any from, well, we got some complaints about us not giving <laughs> solutions. And so we apologize yeah, okay. for that. Just, we, we, want, we want your criticism. We want yes. how to make this show better. And please, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You can, feedback is welcome yeah, because it, it, it helps us grow. Yeah. And if it's negative, we send it to our marketing department. And if it's yes. positive, we read it. Yes. No, I'd, I'd like the negative ones. You do? Yeah, because I can't. Per- Pronunciate words often, like just there. <laughs> What'd you say? Let's let's regoup. Yeah, yeah. The, and then, the it's like, then I have these little ticks that I do. I got a. I got. I'm, I'm from Minnesota, right? Well, that explains a lot. Yeah, so I have. I still have a little bit of an accent there. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Well, all right. So we're getting into this is uh, from Investopedia Advisor Insights. That's full disclosure. Uh, they are. They send me questions uh, weekly. And because I answer them, well, Big Al does, and I take you, credit uh, for it. Do you send them the podcast? So no. You don't? No. Oh. So, first one, right out the gates here. Uh, title of this email is, How do I review a financial advisor's credentials? Oh, that's okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in working with a specific investment advisor who has recommended a fixed annuity. Okay. I have been 
unable to find any information on this individual from FINRA after 2010. How do I check them out? Uh, great question. I'll let you answer that one. All right. Well, FINRA, so th- that's BrokerCheck. So if you go to BrokerCheck.com, then you can kind of take a look at the past history of a particular broker. All right. And so it can tell you if there's, you know, basically if they, you know, stolen a, a you know, pack of cigarettes when they're 16. It's I mean, on there. Huh? It would be on there. OK. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Right? Any any legal issues that they've had, um, bankruptcies. OK. Um, or I think more importantly, customer complaints. Right. 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 Hey, you know, this person swindled me this or they sold me this or did whatever. And you can kind of take a look. So that's brokercheck.com. You can just put in that your individual broker. That's a, name. That's a national thing? Oh, yeah. It's under yeah. FINRA. Okay, yeah. Okay? Right. And that's a regulatory um, industry. So this individual is like, all right, well, here, I went to FINRA. But here's what this is telling me. There's nothing there from 2010. So what is that? They don't have a securities license anymore. Oh, okay. That's what that's saying. Oh, that's not good. Well, not necessarily. Well, if he's if he's selling a fixed annuity. Well, you don't need a, a oh, securities right. license, fixed, right? Right for a fixed so annuity. So this individual is like, you know what? I'm just going to get in the annuity business. Sure. I don't want to deal with the securities industry. So they're selling this person a fixed annuity. So if it were a variable annuity or equity indexed annuity, he'd need the license. No, or no? not an equity indexed annuity too. That's the problem. An equity indexed annuity is still a fixed annuity. Okay. All right. It's just but, how it's calculated. I guess. It's still fixed. <laughs> it's still fixed. What they're stating is that they're crediting interest based on a particular index, okay. such as the S&P 500. But if you actually do all the calculation, it there, there's no... If someone just said, here, here's a um, fixed indexed annuity and said the likelihood... Um, ranges of return is anywhere from two to four percent over thirty years. Then I would be totally fine w- with that disclosure because okay. that's basically that's more accurate. More accurate. But what they how they sell it is that hey, would you like stock market like returns with no downside risk? Right. Because then you have to take a look at what's the caps because what those products do is that they'll cap out that individual. Let's say the market does 5% in a month, and they might have a cap of 2.5% for that month. Okay. Hypothetically, there's hundreds of different iterations here. Sure, right. right. So then you don't get the 5%, you get the 2.5%. But then the next month, let's say the market's down 5%, well, that will wipe out the 2.5% that you just made. So they take a look at a point-to-point, depending on how long that point is. Right. So like, they, yeah, so I guess the point is, I mean, the S&P could earn 10%, but you wouldn't necessarily earn 10%. Not even close to that yeah. in most cases. Right. right. So with a fixed annuity or fixed indexed annuity, you do not need a securities license. Got it. Uh, you don't need your Series 7. You don't need a 65 or they're not an investment advisor. But the problem is, is that with a lot of these fixed annuity sales type individuals, they might say, Al, you got this 401k plan that's full of mutual funds that's in the market that is a security. Sure. And they're giving advice on that to roll that thing out into, let's say, a fixed annuity or fixed product. Got it. You can't, I mean, you need a securities license to do that, but every day that happens, right? Got it, yeah. So there's a lot of different things that you might want to take a look at. So if someone's selling someone a fixed annuity, how do you look them up? Well, well, first of all, look at your their, their credentials, right? So is there any initials behind their name? There's basically maybe four that you 
that matter. That matter. Okay. Everything else is garbage, so what, in my opinion. What matters? I would say a CPA, like yourself, CPA yeah. PFS, which is um, what, a personal financial specialist? Yeah. Uh, CPA, uh, sort of. CPA PFS. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Okay. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really important. Listen to me. Whatever. Well, whatever. Who cares? It's a CPA. It's Big Al. Don't Big Al sent you. Right. Um, certified financial planner, CFP. Um, I think that's the gold standard in financial planning. Yes, agreed. Uh, there's the chartered financial analyst, CFA. Yeah. All right. And then the CHFC, that's a chartered financial consultant. Okay. In my opinion, those are the ones that you want to look for. So again, CPA, CFP, all right, um, CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, or CHFC, Chartered Financial Consultant. Those have very rigorous tests. You have to have bachelor's. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, there's ethics and then there's sure. everything else in between, right? Every th- Then there's hundreds of these other designations. Yeah, which no one knows. CRLCP, <laughs> I'm a Chartered re- uh, retirement, you know, fund specialist. Sometimes ones. you get these cards. They they must have seven or eight acronyms after their name. So um, that's first. If they don't have that, I might look elsewhere. First of all, okay. okay. But if you really like the individual, then you're like, well, well, what's the background? You you have to look at the background. Okay. Well, Finra, they stopped in 2010. In this example, then you got to go to the Department of Insurance because they're selling you an insurance product. So you got to see if there's any complaints there. So um, it's kind of a pain. I wish it was a lot easier. Uh, but I think the easiest thing is to say how you're compensated. Is there a conflict of interest, and what are your credentials? And if you feel good with all of those, if they say I I make a commission, um, commission I don't have any credentials. Um, and the insurance company pays me the commission and you don't have to worry about it. Those are red flags. If someone says, yes, I'm a certified financial planner. I have 15 years of financial planning experience. Here's how I'm compensated via fee only. Um, you know, then if that agrees with you, there's, you know, eliminates a lot of the conflicts, then maybe that's who you go with. That was a long-winded answer for that this sure was. quick for question. Very quick question. Get social with Your Money, Your Wealth and Pure Financial Advisors. Follow us on Twitter at YMYW Show. To connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Google+, just search for Pure Financial Advisors. Uh, Number two. Here's the title, Big Al. Yeah. Should my extra income go towards my 401k, Roth IRA, or non-retirement account? Oh, I like it. Wow. All right. I'm a 26-year-old professional with a 401k, a Roth IRA, and a non-retirement account. I contribute enough to my 401k to get my employer's match, and I try to max out my Roth IRA every year. But of those three accounts, where should my extra income be going? I'm not sure what's the best focus at this point in my life. Additionally, I work for a nonprofit, so I only have an extra 5000 to 10000 to play with. Okay, 5000 to 10000 At so, 26 years old. That's good, good for him. I mean, that's great. That's, or her. Or her, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess it didn't say. Sorry, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> you heard Joe's order of savings, which I tend to agree with. The first thing that you do is you save into your 401k plan up to the match. So this individual's already doing that. Excellent. The second, then you stop. Then you go contribute to a Roth IRA. It sounds like they're doing that too. And that's up to $5,500, right? If there's still extra, you go back to the 401k and you put some more money there. You can you can get up to $18,000 into 401k. Now they this they probably don't have that much, but that would be the order. But I'm going to I'm going to do a little exception, Joe. Yep. And I that, know where you're going with that. Yeah, and that is let's let's just say that 
you do your 401k to the match, you do your Roth IRA, and you have a goal, right? Like saving for a down payment for a home. Well, that's okay, right? Put it in a non-retirement account and, well, saving for that goal. And then maybe in three, four, five years or whatever it is, you can you can buy that home. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking the same thing. I think with my order of savings would be strictly for a retirement goal. Correct. If you had no other financial goals, right? But of course, we all have other financial goals. This individual's 26. Hey, maybe I want to buy a new home, right? Yep. Or maybe a, a, a wedding. I just got married. Or, yeah, know, or maybe what's your cash it? reserves? Yeah. yeah. What's So the, uh, how, what, what is the actual balance of it, too? At 26, maybe he already has a couple hundred thousand saved. I don't know. Well, then does it really make sense to keep jamming a lot more money into the retirement account? Right. So um, there's always exceptions to the yes. rule. Yes, yes. Thank you very much for that. Good, good question. Okay, um, next question. Will I be exempt from the early distribution penalty if I roll over my 401k to an IRA within 60 days and take out distributions? Summary, I'm 57 years old. If I retire and roll over my 401k to an IRA within 60 days of separating from my company, okay, where I have the 401k, will I be exempt from from the 10% early distribution penalty in the IRA if I take distributions out of the IRA before 59 and a half. I heard conflicting stories on if the 401k is rolled over within 60 days of separating, whether the IRA is also exempt from the 10% early tax penalty, just like a 401k would have been. Good question. So let me tell you what the rule is. If you retire, in other words, separate from service, and you're 55 years of age, you can take money directly out of your 401k, and you have to pay income tax on it, but there's no penalty. Once you roll it to an IRA, you lose that status. And so now it's an IRA, and you're going to pay penalties until 59 and a half. So in this particular case, if you want to roll over part of your uh, 401k to an IRA, great, go for it. But the money that you want to withdraw between 57 and 59 and a half, leave that in the 401k. So when you take it out, there's no tax penalty. Great advice. So I guess say it a different way. I'm 57. I separated from service. I need some additional cash. Right, because I'm retired early. Sure. Which is fine. Okay. And then so it's like, all right, well, here, let me roll that money into an IRA. He's talking about a 60-day rollover here, too. Yeah, it's a little little different. Let me explain the 60-day rollover, and then I'll reiterate Al's advice. 60-day rollover is that you can take money out of a qualified account, right, IRA, and you have 60 days to put that money back in. There is no taxes. There is no penalty on those dollars as long as those dollars get back into the retirement account within a 60-day time period. For instance, January 1st, right? I retire. February 1st, I need a little bit more cash. I take $20,000 out of my IRA, okay? So it's like, okay, well, now I have 60 days, right, from that February 1st date, Okay. So then it's like, all right, if I don't make that money back within that 60-day that time period, then that's a distribution. Then it would be taxed and penalized. But if I get the money back in within that 60-day time period, then I'm all good. So it's like kind of like you're just taking a loan from yeah, yourself. in essence. And you can only do it once per calendar year. And this is a little different. I mean, about two, three years ago, they changed the rule because people were doing it with every single IRA and they would set up 10 IRAs so they could keep doing this shell game. And right. the IRS said, no, you can't do that. You can do it once per year and that's it. And then then in that example, you take the money out on February 1st and you and you put it back in within 60 days. Well, then you can't do it again until February 1st of the following year. Right. It's a calendar year. Calendar. Yeah. Right. It's not a 
Or it's not. A, it's a. It's a. It's twelve a, month period. It's, it's not a calendar year. It's, it's a, a twelve month. Twelve month. Period. Yes. Three hundred sixty five day period to be exact. <laughs> yes. yes. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're tight. We're yeah. tight today, folks. Except for, except for leap year. Three hundred sixty six day. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then so going back to Al's point, it's like, all right, well, here, man, if you need a little bit of capital, well, keep money in the four hundred and one k plan. Yeah, you're allowed to take money out of the four hundred and one k directly for your own purposes. Yes, you pay income taxes on it, but no penalty, and that's uh, it's just a different rule. Four hundred and one k, you separate from service. You're fifty five years of age. You can pull money out and no penalty. IRA, it's fifty nine and a half. They're different rules for different kinds of retirement accounts. And you don't have to roll everything out of the plan. Yeah, you can do some of it. Yeah, whatever. You got, yeah, you got a half a million bucks. You put two hundred fifty thousand in the IRA. You keep two fifty in the four hundred one k. Then you take the distributions out of the four hundred one k. That avoids the ten percent penalty because you're under fifty nine and a half. And then once you reach age fifty nine and a half, then you can roll it all into the same IRA. Whatever you want to do. If you made the mistake already though, and you already moved it into the IRA, and you're fifty seven and you do need the money, there is a way around the ten percent penalty. It's using what the seventy two t tax election or separate equal periodic payment. But then there's three different ways to calculate that, and that may or may not be enough money for you to... Yeah, I think a lot of times it's not enough. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah when, you, mean, when you look at the calculation. You, you would think, oh, man, I got a million bucks. All right, well, here, you can take 12 bucks out. <laughs> <laughs> every other week. Yeah, every, so it's a little bit more than that, but you want to make yeah. sure that you run the calculation to see exactly... Um, how much that you can take out in a 72T tax election. At 57, if you started at 57, you would have to wait until age 62 to unwind it because it's a separate equal periodic payment. What that means is that you have to take the same amount of money out of the account each year until you're 59 and a half um, or five years, whichever is longer. And here's one from Tennessee. Really? Wow. What should I do with my 401k when I leave for grad school? Okay. Man. I'm 25 years old and know nothing about investing. I've grown a small 401k at my current job, but I'm leaving soon for grad school. What is the best option to transfer it? Should I transfer it to a different retirement account so it stays untaxed? I would especially like to choose my own investments based on my own ethical choices. What is the best option for my case? Well, I like that question. Good for you for having a 401k. So Why do you like it? Tell me more specifically now. <laughs> Are I, you just being... Because I like to answer. I like to hear myself answer a question. Okay. So um, anyway, there's a couple choices. Well, three choices. At least three choices, I suppose. One is you can leave it in the 401k. Most plans don't. You don't have to take it out, even though you don't work there. Another one, although if it's a small balance, some some plans will yeah. make you take it out. You could cash it out, which we wouldn't necessarily recommend because you got to pay taxes and penalties. Or you can roll it to an IRA. And based upon what your stated goals are, to have more investment choices that you have more control overs, that's probably the best answer is to roll it out to an IRA. There's no taxation. Then you have complete control over what you invest in. Yeah. It sounds like with ethical choices. Right. So maybe there's some maybe there's some question on the on the investments in the 401k. I'm, no, I, I'm thinking social responsible. Could be. Oh, you're thinking that way. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> what, what did you think? I don't know. Not thinking. I was answering the question. Right. So... <laughs> If you want to, let's say, open up an individual IRA, you know, you could go socially responsible sure. where you don't invest in, you know, oil companies, um, you know, alcohol or cigarettes or Yeah, tobacco. all, all those, the, the, uh, the sin type of companies. <laughs> Is that what they are? That's what they are. Sin companies. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<sighs> you haven't been to church lately, have you? Hey, wow. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Is that what is that what they say at your church? These are sin companies. Yeah, every week. Do not invest in sin companies. And and I'm sitting in the front row. They're looking right at me. So, but in your own individual IRA, you could invest in like an individual stock. You could, right? There, there's mutual. what's the holiest stock you can purchase? The, the holiest? I don't know. I'll think about it. Yeah, I'll have my answer next week. All right, there you go. We'll do some research. Yeah. Okay, well, we got time for maybe one or two more. Okay. Okay, so are T-bills safer than an indexed fixed annuity when you take into consideration the debt our government has? <laughs> I'm considering well. an indexed fixed annuity. Okay. I'm 60 years old and have $125,000 to invest. I do not trust the market, especially since it is rising so quick. Okay. So there's a lot of things going on in that email. We can break them all down. <laughs> Well, I'll start with the safety issue. The the t- in spite of the debt in our country, a T bill is definitely safer than a fixed uh, index fixed annuity because our government. Think about it. Our government is in debt, but it also prints money, right? And an insurance company cannot print money. So if they get into trouble, they don't have the ability to print money like our government has. What do you think this gentleman heard or lady to to feel this way? This is a full-on fear yeah. sales tactic. I'm going to guess that uh, they went to an advisor that uh, focuses on insurance-type products. Fixed indexed annuities Yes, here. yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Indexed fixed annuity. He, he, yeah, he, he, yeah. He got it backwards. Got it backwards, whatever. but that's okay. Fixed indexed annuity. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right? So it's like, well, here, uh, no, look at the debt that we're in. $18 trillion in debt. 19 Why would you trust a T-bill? Oh, my God. The T-bills. That will blow up on you. The U.S. government is going to default. But guess what? American Equity Life Insurance Company, they're going to weather the storm. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> There's nothing's going to happen to Allianz <laughs> when the U.S. government is blown up. Right. They'll Come be, on. They'll be fine. Come on. Jeez Louise. I, I mean, when you, when you think about it, I mean, just go back to my money printing thing. So if you invest in a bond in California, which is generally, you know, municipal bonds are generally pretty safe, it's still not going to be as safe as a government T-bill because California does not print its own money. Treasuries are the safest investment on the planet. Yes. They call it the risk-free rate. It's a riskless asset class. Right. The entire world Invest in T-bills. Look at, yes. Look the, at, so the, envi- the, the entire world doesn't invest in fixed index annuities? No. <laughs> no. But Lafayette um, <laughs> Life Insurance Company, uh, yeah, they're a lot stronger than the... Yeah, I thought... Well, all... look at the balance sheet of this insurance. Uh, yes, insurance companies, you know why they're so profitable? Is because they got pretty good salespeople on the front line. Telling people that, you know what, the U.S. Treasury n- is not safe, right? but this fixed indexed annuity is. So all this, like like China, for example, there's a lot of extra capital there. And where, where do they, they don't invest in, in fixed indexed annuities? I don't know. I, <laughs> Maybe they do. They might be going to a dinner seminar, <laughs> get a free steak. And then next thing hey, you know. Hey, right? hey China, did you know? <laughs> No, the T-bills are the the way to go if you want safety. Oh, all right, and I'll, I'll wrap this thing up, too. It's like, all right, well, yeah, I don't trust the market. Yeah, most people don't necessarily trust the market when you are, I guess, uneducated on basically how the markets work. Sure. And, well, the market is rising so quickly. There's a lot of reasons why the market is rising so quickly. 
um, if you think it's rising so quickly. But let's put things into perspective. All right. So the market is at 22,000. I'm going to tell you it's at 20,821. Okay. okay. So 21,000. Got it. So I don't know the exact date. This is off the cuff. Please do not hold me to this. But I'm going to go back to, let's say, 1997-ish. Okay. Okay. That's when the market hit 10,000. Okay. Right. So 10,000 to 21,000. Right. That is roughly doubling, correct? Yeah. Right. But 1997 to 2017 is how many years, Alan? That's 20 years. 20 years. So it took 20 years to double. Right. Is that craziness? No. Isn't that that's, that's, what you would expect? Yeah, that's kind of low. Low, actually. It's Yeah, it's not, you know, because we had a couple of bad years in there. So that's about, uh, what, 3.5% sure. on average. On average, right? So you got to put things kind of in perspective. If what the, the what God, I said perspective a lot of times. I apologize. You did. God, yeah, <laughs> awful. See, yeah, send me an email. Count how many times I said perspective. We're going to get a lot of emails this week. It's, uh, it's, it's, it is absolutely and, awful. And, I, and I, I just started tuning in. I can't believe you've been around for 10 years. <laughs> I don't. We can't either. Craziness. <laughs> Now, a few things to consider here, too, is that um, lower tax rates or the, the anticipation of lower tax rates is spurring a lot of market activity. Right. I would agree with that. And here's why, is that if I'm a company that has, let's say, real simple terms, $10 million of profits, okay, and next year, let's say if my corporate tax rate gets cut in half, all right, that $10 million of profit might go to $15 million in profit. Because I'm paying less tax, right? Because I'm paying uh, half in tax. Right. Right? Give or take, right? This is sure. not exact science. I'm just throwing out numbers. <laughs> but that's if I don't do anything else. I just do the status quo. Right. I just keep all of my customers fine, right? I don't, you know, I, I sell the same amount of widgets. I'm not killing any records here. I'm not, I'm just, but all of a sudden, my bottom line increases significantly. So people are willing to pay more for that, aren't they? Well, wait a minute. Yeah, because I'm more profitable. Right. And and then guess what? When you invest in a company, you want some of that profit. Right, dividends. And so the company's value is going to increase just due to the fact that if they do nothing else, they're going to be paying less tax. Less tax means more profit. That means the company's stock price has to go up. Right. It has to. Right. It's not going to go down because of it. It's going to go up. Now, here's what's going on in the marketplace. And I'll shut this down in two seconds. <laughs> is that I would say maybe, let's say, 60% of the market feels that, yes, tax rates are going to get cut. 40%, yeah, maybe not so much. Right. It's not 50-50 or else we wouldn't see this move. Maybe it's 70-30. So there's still people that might not think it's going to happen. And as we get closer to certain dates, they talked about it last week. What, what's his name? Wants to have it by August, May, you know, throwing this stuff out there. Well, as we get closer to these dates, if nothing happens, we're going to see a pullback in the overall markets. All right. So just anticipate that. If it happens, the market's going to shoot up. If it doesn't happen, it's going to blow up. Just know what you're holding and there shouldn't be any surprises in your overall portfolio. And that's it for us today. So to recap today's show, retirement is expensive, $700,000 on average, so don't mess it up. Save early, save often, save in the right order, and retire at the right time and in the right place. For more smart retirement advice, subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. 
through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.